Welcome to the Whiskey After Work podcast. This is where booze meets business. I'm Doug Shaw, owner of Peach State Business Brokers and Advisors. And I'm Melissa Hergert, owner of Brain Train Centers. We are serial entrepreneurs that love to learn from other successful professionals and love to drink whiskey. Hello, Justin. Hey again. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. I feel like we've done this before. Yes, technical difficulties. Welcome to the Whiskey After Work podcast, where Justin is here again. Again. Because... Because you feed me whiskey, and here I am. Yeah, a lot of whiskey. That last one hurt. I don't know about hurt, but it was... Dude, no had like a clown car. <laughs> it was one bottle after another. He had a six-bottle bag, and he pulled nine bottles out of it. Wow. Yeah, it was It was rough. ridiculous. It was crazy. I mean, the best kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but oh... Yeah. I had to sober up to go home. Yeah. But anyhow, we made it. Here we are. <laughs> Here for another Are we still one. recording? Everything's good? Red yeah, light? no, I think uh, the lights are good. Uh, yeah, we're recording. Good. That's good. Good. Step whew. one. Oh, yeah. man. So for those of you who don't know, yeah. you missed out on a good 20 minutes of podcast before we realized we had technical difficulties. It happens to everybody. All the greats. All the greats. And yeah. then the not so greats. Yeah. So... Anyhow, hey, I wanted to touch on something real quick before we get rolling and uh, just wanted to um, inform listeners that we lost a good friend of the show last week. Uh, Brandon Addison passed away unexpectedly. Um, you know, keep him in, you know, keep his family and friends in your thoughts and prayers. Um, we will be doing something in the near future um, for like an in memoriam podcast, but uh just wanted to touch on that real quick and kind of get that get that out of the way before we got rolling. But uh, yeah, Brandon, the owner of Low T Nation, who um, used to let us use the, his his offices, who gave us the two wolves, um, who was, was our very first guest, and uh, yeah, it sucks. And we will touch on that in a later episode. Um, we have a great guest with us today, uh, Patrick Calloway. Um, he's an air. Um, airport consultant and uh works with uh, airports all over the country and uh some really cool some really cool stuff we'll talk about but uh i'm going to kind of let him introduce himself and tell us a little bit about it, where he's from and where he went to school and all that good stuff and uh you got to be really good at this by now <laughs> oh well practice makes perfect right Doug? that's right <laughs> so um hey guys thanks for having me um yeah so patrick calloway i grew up in uh, pike county georgia it's a about two hours south of here. It's a, a small, small county and a small town and uh, probably more cows than people there. And um, just kind of growing up, um, had a, wanted to travel and, and see the country. And um, I went to uh, West Georgia for my first year and then transferred down to Georgia Southern. So got a chance to see a little bit of the state, um, but then got a chance to work for uh, Air Train Airways and uh, the aviation um, industry is a, uh, I guess it's contagious, and uh, once you get in, it's it's tough to leave. Being able to travel and, and enjoy different parts of the country. So, I uh, spent 15 years uh, with Southwest and um, lived in nine different cities, seven different states, and um, just had a great time uh, working for them. Learned a lot, and have recently switched to a consulting firm uh, that uh, we work with the capital improvement plans at Hartsfield, and um, got different consultants all over the country. Yeah. Did you do any uh, international travel while you were working with Southwest? I did. So they did not have, they 
Southwest travels like the Caribbean and Mexico and a couple of nearest places, but um, it's great benefits working for an airline. You can fly on other carriers and stuff for discounts. And um, so I had a group of guys I golfed with a lot. And so we traveled all over the world and um, got to play in Ireland, Scotland, and uh, Korea. And um, Korea, the, yeah. the, the mecca of all golf. <laughs> hey, you'd be surprised. It's actually pretty popular there. They had the... Um, president's cup going on when we were there and uh so we we thought uh incheon is the airport and there was songdo was where the tournament was going to be held and so my buddy was so excited hey i got us a, a round on songdo and we're like there's no way they're playing a tournament and we're going to be able to play on the same one so he uh got us on songdo which was a eight hole <laughs> golf course um <laughs> with a chicken coop on hole number six um and and, and our caddy <laughs> Our caddy was about a 65-year-old lady who uh, handed you a club and shook it at you until you used that one, whether you thought that was your club or not. You know, the great thing about an eight-hole golf course, you shoot a really low score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and we said, well, how do we get to 18? They said, you play twice and the first two twice. Well, uh, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll stick to eight today. So, uh, But yeah, great great time traveling with the guys and uh, a, lot of, a lot of good friends around the country I made and stuff, but... Um, yeah, quite quite a few uh, funny international stories with just getting in places, not knowing exactly what what we were getting into. Well, even though you worked for Southwest, were you able to kind of get flight benefits on international flights? Yeah, so we we actually took United um, to Korea and back, um, and so we'd taken Delta several times when we went to Scotland and Aer Lingus and just different carriers. So it was nice uh, having just kind of the ability to check out different areas, uh, different carriers and see kind of what each of them offer and, uh, the difference in them, but they offer kind of fringe benefits of, if you work for one carrier, you offer the same to their employees. They'll, they'll reciprocate it back. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I was kind of excited to, to read your, uh, your, that you, um, were really into golf. Uh, because I know absolutely nothing about golf and <laughs> I've, I've done some work, um, uh, at, at different, uh, golf tournaments and, and I'm just watching everyone at these tournaments. It's just, they're so engrossed in this game and I don't understand it at all. And I don't understand the appeal, but I'm genuinely interested in what, what is the, so can you just tell me like why you like, you're, cause you're yeah. telling me you like you, you destination golf. Yeah. And why? <laughs> like, what do you, what, like, you know, what, what do you like about it? It's, it's a, uh, infuriating sport for sure. Um, but at the same time, it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, to just go out with a group of buddies and travel somewhere different, the, the natural beauty of the courses, they're always, um, you know, well-maintained and in pretty, uh, even of, sung do. <laughs> hey, you, you get, uh, you, you get, get an experience, yeah. right? Yeah. So you can see Incheon and Seoul, Korea from there. It was kind of high elevated. And then the chicken coop on the six T, you know, I'll never forget trying to tee off with chickens all around you. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's just kind of the views from different places. Um, we played a place called Old Head in Cork, Ireland, and you're on the 200 foot cliffs dropping off into the sea, you know, and, um, so just some, some cool locations, but I think the biggest piece for me was always, um, working for a carrier as large as Southwest. I was almost on call or on demand 24 seven. So that was my opportunity to turn the phone off for a couple of hours and, uh, kind of be in peace and not have to worry about responding to anything or, or answering anything. So for me, it was twofold. It was the camaraderie and out with the guys and the other was just unplugging from the, uh, the stressful work world 24 seven. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. 
You've played uh, the old course? Uh, I have not played the old course. They had uh, like a a standby list to get on the old course. So we played, um, <clears throat> which ones? It Do we was... need to explain what the old course is? Yeah, I was just going to try to use context clues, but go ahead. Okay, go ahead. You can tell me what the old course is. 1400s, uh, the original course in uh, Scotland. Um, so St. Andrews, and uh, it's only 14 greens for 18 holes. They have these massive greens because it's so old. Um, they've got the new course there that was built in like 1495. So, <laughs> uh, but there's eight courses there, and so we were able to get on a couple of them and play, and um, you know, just some pretty cool, sp- you know, places to go. There's um, one of them. Uh, as soon as you finish, there's the the Jigger End is the name of it, and it's the 19th hole. And so there's hats signed by Tiger and Mickelson and everybody else that's played and gone in for a pint, you know, and um, just cool history walking across the bridge that you know is from the 1400s and they don't move houses for the course you have to shoot over the top of them and i mean it's 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 an interesting situation you know no golf carts all caddies and walking and so we definitely got our steps in that sounds really cool yeah i appreciate the original golf course yeah yep yeah yeah you you get you get a chance to walk where somebody walked hundreds and hundreds of years ago and learned how to cuss yeah yeah and they had a horse carrying their clubs back then you know versus a golf cart it's just crazy to think what was it called a feathery yeah (laughs) yeah the ball was stuffed with feathers was it really yeah huh i had no idea yeah it's uh it's an interesting game it's just old yeah but uh i think it's just been a way for guys to go out and enjoy and have some drinks and and have a good time for years so um I, i wish i had kind of picked up the sport younger but played a lot of soccer and football growing up and then um, just kind of fell into the golf as I got a little bit older. It was charity tournaments all the time with the airlines. And so um, it just kind of became the the sport I could still play since soccer was a little more physically demanding than I was capable of anymore. Yeah. Honestly, it's since I started working for myself back in 19, I, I have played hardly any golf for the last five years. And uh, same deal. I used to play a lot of charity tournaments. I'd play yeah. 14 to 18 tournaments a year on courses that I would never get on any other way. Yeah. I mean, I've played the Atlanta Athletic Club I don't know how many times. And, you know, the um, <clears throat> the farm up in Rocky Face yeah. and, you know, courses that are very private. And mm-hmm. But uh, I suck. Do you, like, do you, like, collect courses, you know, that you, like, have a little – uh, journal I, or whatever you know they you just like you I, I keep the scorecards from most of yeah. them or get like one ball marker or just some type of insignia from from most of the courses do you have and, a dream uh, list like a bucket list of courses um yeah i mean we we try to hit uh so there's a group of guys we do every summer um like a, a Ryder cup style 16 guys in palm desert california and we go out there and we play five straight days and two rounds some days and it's 115 degrees so i mean half the battle is just not dying of heat exhaustion the other half is trying to win you know but um and and we've kind of lined up another round a year of the top 50 courses in the u.s or a different one around the world or something each year and so that was the same group we all went to scotland together we played pinehurst together in north carolina and that was like the original golf course in america i think it's 1895 so it's 400 years behind scotland but hey it you know it's coming along so um but yeah so it's it's some cool courses out there and um and again you know just having the ability to get there for little to nothing and traveling and stuff was a great opportunity southwest gave me um you know throughout my 20s and stuff it was awesome just traveling around with them yeah that's great and you said scotland right yeah Kinda. scotland oh i love scotland you know um, what i like about scotland 
Scotch. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Does somebody have Scotch with them? I... Yeah. Oh, wow. What do you know? I don't know. I started yeah. during our, uh, after our false start, I just went ahead and <laughs> dipped in. So. Okay. Well, tell us what you brought. Yeah, I brought a little uh, Lovlin, a little Govlin 16. Uh, it's a nice, smooth. I'm a peaty drinker, so I like it a little smoky, but um, it's a nice little drink and uh, definitely one of my this, personal favorites. This is, um, I like to call this peat tea. <laughs> uh, it tastes like uh, dirt and moss and a little bit of smoke. Okay. Oh, man, people like love this stuff, man. This, uh, this is the 16, the Lagavulin yeah. 16. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I did not go to that distillery in Scotland. I went to uh, one of their sister distillers. I okay. went to Oban. Okay. Yeah, Oban's a good one, too. Yeah, they're all, I think Diageo owns all of them now. Oh, nice. But they let, seriously, Diageo bought all these distilleries, and then they literally run them just like they've always run them. They oh, didn't well. change a thing about them. That's awesome. They just own the brands. Yeah, but I think this was all part. It didn't have like a Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, I think they had uh, like thing, the full yeah. series and stuff through. Oh God! Yeah, it's like a sm- it's like it's, a campfire. It's called yeah. medicinal. <laughs> yeah, it's a a cigar and a drink built in one. Yeah, yeah it's or a band aid. <laughs> I feel like the band aid is like, you know, some people think cilantro tastes like. Soap, soap. Yeah, I don't know. I don't oh get... my god, this is just not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just wrong. Yeah. Well, Doug, just for you, I brought another one as well. So, well, I will finish this because okay. I'm not going to pour it out. <laughs> but I'm going to have a drink to get this nasty. Oh God, I am not <laughs> a Pete guy. Yeah, I'm, good. Very I'm, good. Is, I'm uh... good. I'll finish it. Okay. <laughs> and you didn't even pour heavy either. You were being nice. I was trying to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> So after leaving Southwest, yep. Uh, so what what happened after that? Yeah. So um, as as I guess in the last year with Southwest, I'd worked a lot with their Innovation Academy and different things they were trying to do as a company, and um, I really got involved with their projects team and uh, just kind of working on new new uh, facility projects and different things coming online. And uh, had an opportunity to go to a consulting firm that worked for all the different carriers, and um, so with them. <clears throat> I've still been able to kind of help Southwest on some of their projects as well as, uh, you know, uh, just all the, uh, facility improvements at the Atlanta, uh, airport, which, you know, busiest airport in the world, it constantly needs improvements. So, um, they're doing a good job putting a lot of things on in the books and, uh, and expanding and trying to innovate. And, uh, it's, it's definitely, um, a cumbersome task with the next 10, 15 years coming up. So explain to me this. <clears throat> They're in the middle of a huge, huge, huge new parking deck yep. project. Mm-hmm. But they just finished a huge new parking deck project, and now they're tearing it all down. Yeah, so they, they've got a, a couple of different parking, uh, obviously lots of parking decks. There's a little over 30,000 parking spaces available there, and um, they're they're redoing what was the South Economy lot into a new deck there, and uh, they just finished the West Deck, which is a entirely new uh, deck out by uh, the rental car facilities. Um, and then they've got plans to you know continue around the airport, looking for additional parking capabilities. Uh, there's quite a few like offsite lots, like ATL Select and different things that they're they're doing uh, what they can to to try to promote and to look for opportunities to get people to park further away. But 
Um, I, I think the biggest thing is they're, they're back to full capacity for 2019 numbers. Um, I think 2023, there were 103, 104 million pastures. Justin was 10,000. <laughs> yeah, he's a heavy traveler here. So it's, uh, it, I mean, it's a, it's a great opportunity for a city to have as many nonstops as Atlanta does. I believe there are a little over uh, 2,000 flights a day and um, 250, 300 um, uh, different um, nonstop destinations just out of Atlanta alone. How many gates are they running right now? Um, Total number of gates, that's a great question. I know... um, It's got to be like something like 30 times... How many terminals? Six, five, six terminals? Six, so T-A-B-C... D, E, and F, so seven. Yeah, I, I want to say it's a, a couple of hundred. So I think it's wow. like two 200 and something gates. Uh, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head. But yeah, it's a it's a couple of hundred gates and um, you know a couple of thousand flights a day. And then you've got the cargo operation, which is separate, that is uh, just as busy. In all seriousness, though, as I travel <clears throat> all over the country, it's uh, Atlanta Airport is, a, is about as easy to get around. It makes the way it's laid out. It makes sense with the train and everything. Yeah, um, it can be overwhelming because it's so big and busy. Yeah, um, but it is. It's just you. You know, it's a straight line. You hop on the train and you go to the terminal. You're the the concourse you need to get to, and then you go to your gate. Yeah. I flew through Minneapolis last month, or I guess it was December, so two months ago, um, and had to catch connecting flights and didn't have a lot of time. And because of where our flights were to where we had to be. We had to catch a guy with a little like golf cart thing to get us to the other side in time, so we didn't miss our flight. Yeah, it was there was I overheard a conversation uh, with a flight attendant on my last flight, and she said that basically, if you have fifteen minutes, you can get to any any uh, any gate from any gate. So that's that, I mean, that's, that's kind of the benchmark. Good. Yeah, fifteen minutes, and you can you know make a different concourse if you need to and stuff. You know, the train um, is. I think I think you're right. It's one of the most efficient airports as far as it being the size that it is. And I think also to your point is, you know, if you're flying in from an Amarillo, you're just overwhelmed. There's more going on on that one concourse than the whole um, airport in Amarillo. And, um, you know, they're used to two TSA lanes and they show up and there's, you know, 20 and just the main checkpoint alone. Yeah. Um, it, it really is overwhelming to a lot of folks but then those that travel frequently you you kind of have your rhythm your pattern you know the workarounds and um you know where to park where to check in and and it's a pretty smooth process crazy i've been parking at the same parking lot for almost 30 years which lot (laughs) parking ticket Uh, i'm a parking spot too guy well parking spot just bought park and fly i heard so i mean they're going to have three lots now oh good for them (laughs) parking lot parking spot two is the cheap one isn't it yeah, well, I mean, as long as your card is there when you get back, like, why pay more for it? True, true. But do they give you Coke, Diet Coke, bottle of water? What do they Dasani. give you? Dasani. 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 Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not bad. The fancy shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the local water. The yeah. local water. Yeah, they right. give you the water with the, uh, with the salt in it, so you need more water. Yeah, <laughs> the minerals. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, man. Um so what kind of projects are going to come up? I mean, what, what else are you guys going to be working on there? Yeah. So, um, 
There's a lot of projects in the works right now. Just the the airport as a whole is uh, expanding. Um, all the carriers have expected growth, and they, they really are looking for um, a, additional space. Um, I, I think for the most part, the, the airport is um, – it, it's such a, a, a great airport to have geographically and then also just having the ability to connect to and from anywhere uh, through Atlanta. It really just makes it kind of a lucrative market for – um, the carriers to come in. Um, <clears throat> main projects, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of them coming up with, uh, like you said, a parking deck's coming in. They've got additional um, kind of, if you go in now, all the ceilings have been redone. There's different things going on with the belt systems. They've got TSA has just gone through a f- total new renovation. Um, you've got some concourses that are being widened and um, just different uh, spaces being added and that kind of stuff. And, I see they've added a, a third security area in the basement now yeah yeah so the lower north is they're calling it um it's got a couple of lanes down there for clear passengers they they got all the new all the new tunnel all the new tubes or whatever all the new scanners yeah so they took the old scanners and put them in the basement to handle overflow security so yikes yeah so it's uh i mean it added uh two two more lanes it added Mm -hmm. some employee checkpoints going through there too so the employees have a little bit uh easier access and um, it left the 18 lanes upstairs in the main. Uh, the other lanes on the north side are still available, and then south has the pre-check and stuff. So they're they're looking for opportunities to expand everywhere they can to get customers through. And you know, having 90 plus thousand customers on most days coming through, it's a it's a challenge sometimes. So international's got checkpoints too, and so they're they're really looking for any opportunity they can to get pastures through quicker to their gates at least. Yeah, yeah I've been enjoying the. Uh the real id just, okay it's like yeah. tsa plus you just like skip to the front <laughs> of the front of the line it's which one's this the uh so if you have a if you have a passport then you um when i renewed my passport a couple of years ago i was like automatically opted in to this real id or, yeah uh something true id something real id something like that um but basically it's uh like facial recognition so you get there's a lane specifically for that so you get oh, TSA wow. pre-check, you got clear, and then you got real ID. And I think eventually, I think 2025 or something, everybody will have to have that. You're starting to see them. Um, this last trip I took last week, both Atlanta and Baltimore had face scanners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's getting there. They don't even look at your, I mean, like not looking at tickets or anything anymore. But Yeah, there's a lot of innovation coming for just kind of the travel industry in, in general, <laughs> you know. And a lot of it's, you know, you'll check in at a kiosk and it's facial recognition. You get to the gate and it'll say, welcome to your flight, Doug. You know, and it checks you in there well, too. And Georgia's got the digital ID on iPhone now. I think they just added it to Android. BWI last week had it too. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a new iPhone though, so I have to set it up all over mm-hmm. again. But um, more importantly, I, I, I want to know from Justin and Patrick on this. When you check in at the airport on, like, Facebook or whatever, do you check into Hartsfield, Latoya, Jackson, Wig Emporium, or Hot Wing Express? I don't check in on Facebook, so. <laughs> you always do. I always know where you're flying. Oh, it's I, like Atlanta to L.A. to Peoria. <laughs> <laughs> to Peoria. <laughs> yeah, but I don't tag the airport. I just tag my destination, so. Yeah. So I always like to look and see who's got a new one. Yeah. But it's always Hartsfield, Latoya Jackson. <laughs> Spaceport, Wig Emporium. Yeah. They've got some creative ones out there for sure. You gotta love that ATL innovation. Yeah. Always gotta have a hot wing in it. Yeah. That's yep. right. So that's I, I was dying. We were we were in uh, Marta. 
one night after a soccer game and I look down and there's just chicken wings all along the side. And, you know, in, in England, it's mind the gap. <laughs> <laughs> in Atlanta, it's mind the chicken wing bones. Yep. yep. But, uh, are there and, any, are there any projects you have coming up that you're particularly excited about? Um, I, I would say there's quite a few, you know, I think, uh, We've got a lot of different uh, innovation, like I said, just coming on for for several different carriers, and um, you know, just as a the airport as a whole, you, you've got anytime you're moving into a new house, right? I mean, everybody gets excited. They've they're updating, um, you know, the the north terminal where all the carriers are except for Delta, and um, just really kind of giving that that a facelift area and stuff. So that's a couple of years down the road coming, and uh, they're working through some of the details on that now, and the parking deck, and just kind of getting. Um, really the, the airport as a whole, just, um, that, that facelift that it's needed. I think they've done, uh, quite a few, it's got new exteriors and stuff, but a lot of the interior work needed, uh, some, some updates and, um, they're just kind of working through that now. So for the love of God, are they ever going to split arrivals and departures? (laughs) One can only hope. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But, uh, yeah, I know most airports are arrivals level and departures level different for the for the driving. And so I think there's been uh, some discussions around that too. And with the canopies out yeah. there now, and uh, really just kind of given the, the airport that entry level or, or pickup level. What I'd like more than that is I would like for the shuttle service. This is a long, <laughs> this is a long shot. I'd like the shuttle service to be on the same side as Delta so that I don't have to go to baggage claim collect. Cause I travel with a lot of gear. And so I end up with me and another guy and we've got like, a cart full of stuff and then we're dragging or sometimes two carts and so and we park off site so we go to baggage claim collect all our stuff and then go to the other side get the elevator go down so i don't know i'd so like for to do, start just put by. a bug in someone's ear just move it flip <laughs> it all around at least put a sign up this is where the shuttle service is at because i it never fails because i fly delta sometimes i fly southwest sometimes I can never remember which side it's on, and there's no signs up that says where to go for off-airport uh, off parking. I've been tempted to switch to United just because when I flew United, it was like, get off the plane at T-Gates, go straight into baggage claim, <laughs> you're right there, super convenient, they have nice terminals, but... Yeah, there's, um, you know, United's got kind of that new T concourse and stuff. Everything's oh, really been updated nice. down on that end. Yeah, it's, so United American kind of have that whole new area. Never get on the then, train. Yeah it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's convenient for those guys right there. And, you know, Delta's got the south end of that ter- terminal as well. And, um, but, you know, I mean, I think for the most part, the, the wayfinding through the airport is probably the biggest challenge. And they're, they're working on some, uh, different things too for just kind of help for that wayfinding. There's a couple of the touch screen boards now being added, and um, but overall, I think they're they're looking at ways to make more, um, I, I guess, explanatory directional finding. Because to your yeah. point, even a familiar travel like yourself, it, it's tough to remember exactly where everything is in that place unless you're there daily. Because uh, it's as large as some cities, it feels like just going through there. Oh, it's, I mean, huge. it's massive. Yeah, it's 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 giant. Um, do you still get your travel perks or? Um, so we we don't have direct uh, travel perks and stuff, but um, you know it's it's still good just kind of knowing what what carriers have the best options and routes and that kind of stuff coming up and uh, just really being able to kind of pick from who's strongest in which markets and being able to find the. the do you still have there. that kind of travel bug? Do you want to get out there? Oh, or yeah. You feel like you satiated that with your. No, no, I, I still love to travel, and um, my, my wife and I try to do a couple of trips a year and that kind of stuff. So we, we definitely, um, you know, look for opportunities to travel and, and get out there. And, um, 
yeah, I don't know. She she may enjoy driving a little more than I do. So we we'll, we'll love a good road trip. Yeah, yeah, battle back and forth on whether we're driving or flying. But yeah. uh, a lot of times we'll fly somewhere and then do a road trip from there. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a balance. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. So yeah. what do you got? What's your uh, trips this year? Um, going down to Tampa in a couple of months. So March they'll have the Valspar Golf Tournament down there. So I'll be down there for that. Um, and just kind of hanging out. And then, um, we got a couple of weddings we're going to this year actually. So yeah, I know we thought we were past wedding season too, but I think we've got four or five this year. So one's in Santa Barbara, California and one in Cancun. And so we're out and about again. So I was just in Santa Barbara. It is beautiful out there. It is. Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah, it really is. I, I lived in Redondo beach for about two years and, um, it's a little South of LA and stuff, but a nice little quiet beach down and, um, the, Scenery was beautiful. The beach was beautiful and stuff. It just crazy traffic and had to get back home. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an hour and a half, two hours from LAX or something like that. Yeah. And it's like nine miles. Yeah. Yeah. My brother lives in, uh, North oh, you're Hollywood. Santa Barbara. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my brother lives in San, in, uh, in North Hollywood. Okay. And he was like, just pay the extra money and <laughs> fly into, uh, uh, Bob Hope and just don't go to LAX. Oh man, there! What was the old airline that was out of? Um, it was out of Phoenix, I think. Their base was America West. America West, yeah. And you could fly from Atlanta. You'd hit Phoenix, and for the same price, it didn't matter where you were going in California. You just picked your city. So if it was San Fran, if it was, um, and I, you know, they, I think they flew LAX. They did Orange County. Um, you know, all the way down to San Diego. I think there was seven airports they flew to, and it didn't oh, yeah. matter which one you went to. It was always the same price from Atlanta. You just picked one. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you just whatever part, you you did not have to go to LAX if you yeah. didn't want to. Well, I worked at the LAX for two years, so while Southwest was redoing uh, Terminal 1 there. And uh, it was quite interesting working already in a super crowded airport while redoing the terminal you were still operating out of. So um, they've, I mean, we we were doing 130 flights a day out of 10 gates, you know, and most carriers can't do but 10 flights a gate a day. And so we were doing 13. It was it was wild. So I was on an America West flight out of LAX one time, and you fly out over the ocean, mm-hmm. and then you bank. Yep. And um, so you're pretty low over the ocean as you're coming out. I mean, you can see people in fishing boats and everything else. And we were starting to bank, and a Cessna flew in the flight path. And we dropped about 1,200 feet just immediately. And I thought I was dead. So did the guy in the fishing boat below us. (laughs) You could see his eyes. That's how bad it was. And everybody's screaming. I mean, it was a very sudden drop. Oh, wow. And uh, everybody was best friends by the time we got to Phoenix. Everybody was talking to each other, and it was just a really weird flight. But uh, I imagine you get to be best friends with the people that you poop your pants next to. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Hey, real quick, Patrick. um, What do you got over there that doesn't taste like a clot of dirt? (laughs) Yeah, so I brought you a little uh, Nika coffee grain whiskey. Uh, it's a nice little Japanese whiskey, and uh, for those that don't like the peaty taste, it's yeah. a lot smoother. Yes. I actually have a bottle of this, and he is right. It's delicious. <laughs> I've never even heard of this, but I'm excited. So, yeah, the Japanese whiskeys are pretty much just scotch, but they're made yeah. in Japan. Oof. Do a little. Yeah. Oh, hear that. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring the creativity. You still ready? Oh, you ready? Yeah, sure. 
Give you a little, give you a little pour there. Oh yeah, and smell the malt. Right. <clears throat> so coffee grain. So what do you know about this? That is it. It's coffee. So coffee. C o f f e y. Do you know anything about where that? What that entails? I, or all I know is it's tasty. And yep. there's another one called coffee malt instead of coffee green, and it is even tastier than this. So, what's the bottle say, or doesn't it? Let's see. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, I know. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Especially following that lager. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's a very different taste. Let's see. This green whiskey is distilled in a coffee still, which is very traditionally rare patents. Still, Nika imported from Scotland in 1963. So Nika's a kind of still. Yep. Okay. That's good. Yeah. It's delicious. It's very, very nice. Yeah. That's good. Do you have any travel plans this year, Doug? Ireland. You're, going, you're definitely going to Ireland. Yeah, 10 days in August. Nice. We're going to go over there while Georgia Tech's playing Florida State, but I think we just decided we're not going to the game. <laughs> We went like six years ago and went to the Georgia Tech-Boston College game, and it was fun. We had a good time. But we were planning to go to the game, and then we really started talking about it, and we're like, man, that's going to eat up like almost a whole day. They play in Ireland? Yeah, they're playing in Dublin. Oh, why? They just, they And they do a game every year in, in Ireland. It's the beginning of the season. And Georgia last, Tech does? It's whoever. Last year it was like Notre Dame and Navy. Huh. A couple so. years ago, it Boston was... Boston College has done a couple other Yeah, Boston games. College played Georgia Tech six <laughs> years ago. Um, Northwest and Nebraska played there. I mean, there's been several, but um, yeah, they just... Uh, they, you know, American football is getting slowly getting more and more traction in Europe. And, Interesting. Yeah. So you're um, seeing NFL games over there and some college games. Yeah. Dublin's a great place, especially for the drinks and stuff, too. I mean, it's yeah. a... Down in the uh, Temple Bar area in downtown yep. Dublin. It's, yep. a, it's a good time. The it's River Liffey coming through and just walking yep. the river and having some drinks there. Having yeah, having that. drinks in pubs that are over a thousand years old. Yes. Yeah, right. yeah so. it's, it's wild. So you've been to Ireland before? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So that's, that's a good time. And this time, the last time we went, we spent a couple days in Galway and then the rest of the time nice. in Dublin. And so this time we're going to take 10 days. We're only going to spend a couple of days in Dublin, and the rest of the time we're going to go around the coast. Actually spent a few days with a guy that we met in a pub tailgating before the uh, Georgia Tech game the last time we were there. Oh, and awesome. he's, he lives down in uh, uh, County Tipperary and uh, near, um, I think it's kind of down in that Cork area. Kinsale Cork area yeah, down south. And uh, he's going to take us for a couple of days and give us the uh, – the real Ireland tour, he says. So. That's awesome. It's cool. Yeah. It's, 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 the guy had a eye patch and a Cleveland Brown shirt on, and I'm like <laughs> in a pub, like, how do I not talk to this? Yeah, dude? we're friends yeah. forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, how do I not talk to this guy? He's beaten cancer like four times. He's a pretty well known radio host and and, and nice. writer, and and yeah, he's he's a neat guy. He's a real neat guy. His name's Liam Ryan. Also met um, met a guy over there because of golf. Um, he used to be the manager of the Brazenhead, which oh, wow. is the second oldest pub in Ireland. It's the oldest one in Dublin. And oh, that's cool. Nick's, which is up north of, of Dublin somewhere, is older. Um, tried to buy my master's hat off my head <laughs> because he had been to the master's once years and years ago, and his hat had worn out. And it was my favorite master's hat, and I'm like, no. 
but I'll send you one. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And I took his address and that. And um, every year for the last six years that I've been to the Masters, I've sent him something from the Masters. And so um, we may end up spending the day with him and his wife in, in Dublin too. But That's he's awesome. no longer he's no longer with the Brazen Head. But okay. Brazen Head was a thousand ninety eight, I think, when it started. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's so hard to explain how old things are. You talk about yeah. Scotland being in Edinburgh and. They started building the walls of that castle in 70 AD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and in, in the U.S., if something's from the 1800s, we think it's ancient, you know, and it's just funny to see the, the time-lapse difference of old buildings yeah. there that people still live in or operate out of. Yeah, especially in Atlanta. Like, we don't really have any old buildings. There's no, I mean, everything got leveled. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the oldest buildings you're really going to see in the U.S. are going to be up around Philadelphia and Boston yeah. and those areas. and. You know, what are you talking about? 500 years old? Yeah. Babies. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I, um, you know, I'm just starting to scratch the surface of my international travel. Most of my, nice. you know, Europe is, I've only been in, a few, you know, Scotland, England, Ireland, um, have, uh, you know, I've been all over the Caribbean and that and Central America, but yeah, this, going to Scotland, something else, man. It's so old. Yeah. And there's few places in this earth that you're going to see things older than in Edinburgh. Yeah, that's true. Well, um, I don't know about that. There's a lot of stuff. Oh, I know, but <laughs> I'm talking about like cities, you know, it's yeah. uh, operating cities and Prague's high on my list. We were supposed to go to Prague when COVID hit. And so that one's gotten postponed and it'll happen here eventually. Yeah. But what about you? You going anywhere this year? You got any big hikes? Or are you going to go do some uh, international or what? Next week, I'm I'm going to uh, Ure, Colorado, to do some ice climbing, which I've never done before. Interesting. So do nice. that. Um, I'd like to get out of the country sometime soon. Um, get down to Italy again. Got some, got family down there, um, so I'd like to do that. But I don't have any hard plans. It's really just like. You still think you're going to do the Appalachian Trail next year? Yeah. Yeah. The whole damn thing. The whole damn thing. Wow. Yeah. Georgia, Maine. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's so, intense. Yeah, that's where I'll be sleeping. Yeah, 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 yeah. intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm thinking that what we need to do is, as he goes along, we need to just kind of fly to wherever he's at and maybe hike with him for a day or two and then leave him alone. And or you could just post up and we could do a whiskey podcast. Oh, without question. From- from wherever whatever Patrick you want to help me haul this shit up here absolutely (laughs) we'll do a whiskey trail along the way so that's right (laughs) yeah that'd be good we'll stop by the nearest distillery at each point you're going to bring it up to perfect that's exactly that sounds like my kind of trip yeah for sure you have any bucket list places you want to make it to yeah I mean I've I've always I I guess I hit one of them this past year Uh, we went up to Banff Canada and it was a place we always wanted to go to our last guest yeah, yeah, no, two, two guests ago. Yeah, yeah two okay. guests ago. Yeah, she went to Banff last year. Yeah, it's absolutely breathtaking. I mean, yeah. speaking of hiking things up, we went to this tea house that's several miles up. And, that's awesome. Um, there's no power, no running water and stuff, and it's a couple hundred years old. The beginning of the season, they helicopter up their supplies and then interns awesome. hike up daily what they're going to sell and stuff, and it's just soup and teas and that kind of stuff. That's so, amazing. But it's the Crystal Lakes and just beautiful. And that's on the backside of Glacier? Is that what she said it was on? That's um, I'm not 100% sure on that. I know um, it, 
if you fly into Calgary, you've got about mm. an hour and a half drive up and um, just a beautiful little town there. That's cool. Yeah. But I mean, bucket list would be like an African safari or something of that nature, but if I'm down. Yeah. Yeah. It would be awesome. So never, uh, never been, that's one of the continents on the list I need to get to. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. definitely, I had, I had that discussion with somebody this morning that, you know, I, I love to hunt and I've been trying now that the kids are adults, I've been trying more and more to knock out the bucket list trips and, mm-hmm. We did one this in December that I've never been. I've always wanted to do a South Dakota pheasant hunt, oh, yeah. and it was amazing. And I'd like to do an elk hunt, but you know, and I'm not getting any younger. So, but somebody asked me today, they said, "Would you do the? Would you do the safari?" And I said, "I would think about it, and maybe go and maybe hunt for a couple of days and do that. But I think I'd be more interested in getting into one of the national parks there yeah. with a camera." Yeah. Just in remarkable wildlife that's yeah, only available there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the crazy thing is, is the people there are starving, right? I mean, the, the people, most of these countries are just so incredibly poor. And look, they don't give two shits about whatever that is a protected species over there. That thing represents food. Yeah. And they are killing those animals at every chance they get. They have like the military. And there's parks over there just armed all the time trying to guard the animals. They have some like the elephants and that. They have soldiers that are assigned to travel, like follow the elephants around to keep people from killing them. Yeah. Because people are just whacking them for food and whatever else. Yeah. Trying to survive. But I would love to get over there and at least do a photo safari. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be beautiful just to see, you know, untouched nature is always just incredible to me and seeing like out west even in the united states you know in the arizona areas and um you know all up through the west coast it's just untouched land that's just gorgeous yeah that's i liked montana and idaho and that's it's really beautiful out there add fly fishing in alaska to your list because it's breathtaking i mean just to see we uh my dad and i went to kenai uh, a couple of years ago, and it was just gorgeous, just walking out in the river, and you see a little otter floating by. And, what time of year did you go? Um, I think it was like mid July, so it was thawed out at the time. So you you got the, a short the, window. Like mosquitoes weren't bad at that point, or no, yeah, no, okay. no, no major issues. Yeah. Any brown bear? No, no. So that's that's a moment you don't want to see one. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, it was just gorgeous being out there, and um, I just love the nature part of just being away. You know, this. Yep. No cars coming by. You had to take a boat like two hours up river to get to where we were. And that's awesome. Um, just two or three of us out there and nothing else. Now, have you, did you start fishing? I mean, I've fished kind of on and off my whole life. Um, I used to live on the coast of Mississippi and my dad had a boat. So we did a lot of like deep sea fishing out there. Yeah. And, um, but I've never, I've never fly fished. That's always fascinated me. Just yeah, that, that was my like, first time, and it's just yeah. an interesting technique. Was it easy, I mean, to, easy to kind of latch onto? Uh, not or? really. Probably the no, first yeah, hour, like just figuring out what like, I was yeah. doing, and then uh, from there, you know, we caught like two or three fish for the whole day. But yeah, it was just that's fun cool. being out there, chest yeah. deep, you know. And yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm big on like, like I like fishing. I don't catching fish is a bonus. Yeah, to me. like yeah. Just, yeah. just being out fishing is really fun. I've, I've fly fished over the years and I've got some lightweight stuff and you, it's really hard to fly fish in North Georgia because yeah. it's so tight. So you just like short rods, r- real lightweight kind of roll casting in that. But I, um, I got this crazy idea in my head. We were down in the keys about 10 years ago and I got this crazy idea in my head that I wanted to go down and bone fish. 
And so we're down there with my best friend's family, and he loves to fish, and I hunt. And he was on that pheasant trip with me in December. And he's a pilot for Delta. And we um, we get up one day, and we, we had rented a boat for the week, and we're going to go out, and we're going to fly fish for uh, bonefish. And I had spent so much money on this Orvis rig. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got a nice eight-weight, eight you know, saltwater fly rod and reel, and I bought all spent all this money on all these great saltwater, you know, flies and everything. And we get out there and it is so fucking windy. I mean, it <laughs> is. And after about 30 minutes trying to cast this thing and getting tangled up in lines and everything else, I threw that shit in the back of the boat and grabbed my spinning rod. <laughs> it's like, okay, enough of this river runs through it. Crap. Let's fish. <laughs> Did you catch anything? Nah, yeah, man. Yeah. Bonefish are hard to catch, man. <laughs> yeah, and and, and they're, you're not going to eat them or anything. It's right. just they're hard to catch. They're fun to fight. Yeah, yeah. but um, we caught a lot of fish while we we're out there. You know that week, but no bonefish. <laughs> we took that stupid 25 foot uh, deck boat. You know, there's no V to those things at all. They really shouldn't be run on too much of salt water at all. We got up one morning and it was just beautiful, and the water was flat. There wasn't a wave on the water. We took that boat. We took that boat fourteen miles out. Oh my wow. god! We were in seven hundred feet of water, saw a weed line, and we caught like thirty-seven mahi in two and a half hours. Wow! Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, and then the wives were like all jealous because they weren't with us and they wanted to go back out like two days later. Man, we made it about three miles and we turned that boat back around. It was like we must have just hit the perfect day because it was choppy and I couldn't cut anything with that deck boat and turned it around and came yeah, came back in. But um, man, it's it, it is. I love fishing. I, I love. I just love being outside. Yeah, I got my buddies. Yeah. He's uh his his dad lives down um about an hour from Destin, so we talked about going down there and doing some snapper fishing whenever the season oh, yeah. comes up. Yeah. Snapper's fun, and I like um, on the saltwater side of things too. I love getting down on the coast and uh, redfish, and you can Louisiana, Mississippi, mm-hmm. redfish and flounder and and trout, where you don't even have to get out. You know, yeah. you're you're real close in, or even running the backwaters. Yeah, we did a lot of bay fishing in Mississippi. Yeah, and redfish are delicious. They're one of my favorite fish to eat, and uh, man, they fight and they can get big and. Uh, Again, you don't spend hours on on the boat trying to get to where you're going, and yeah. But uh, man, they, they get crazy about the snapper and the grouper and stuff down there in Destin. I don't know if you fish down there at all. Uh, once or twice. I mean, yeah. it's it. You know, used to pier fish with my dad growing up, and then my father in law and I've gone out a couple of times here and there. But um, yeah, it's it's great fishing in that area versus some of the others. Like out of Tampa, you've got to go 60, 70 miles out oh, to get yeah. in good fishing water, where Panama, Destin, Fort Walton area, right there. So yeah, my my out. dad's down around um, Port Charlotte's where he lives. Mm-hmm. It's fairly close to like Boca Grande and that down um, yeah. on the Gulf side. And he's got a pretty nice boat. And they just loved grouper fish. And it's, man, it's 30, 40 miles out <laughs> and just bouncing, bouncing the weights off the bottom. And it's fun because I'm with him, mm-hmm. right? But like I went, he and I went on a trip with some other guys. We went to the Dry Tortugas, fished out of Key West, uh, had a 42 foot catamaran, spent four nights out on the water. First night, this is so bad. The three of these guys had never been in the ocean before. 
first night we were fighting eight nine foot waves Ooh. and we had been eating um ginger root pills my dad my neighbor and i have been eating ginger root pills for about 24 hours and those other guys were making fun of us until they all laid in the bottom of the boat now this is a diesel cat that we were on and they were laying in the bottom boat just puking their guts out and look man i've been on a lot of choppy water and i'm pretty good at it i was queasy i yeah. mean like i was fighting it but we fished through a bunch of those waves and i mean it was on the back of that catamaran you're talking so the waves are nine feet high then you're on top of cat that's probably nine feet so you're 18 20 feet looking down to where the oh it was horrible yeah absolutely miserable but we fished and those guys were fishing um by the last day they were fishing with electric reels seven eight nine hundred feet deep pulling pulling snowy grouper off the bottom and it electric just i was reels. electric reels jeez it was i couldn't do it i didn't do wow. it yeah <laughs> um i i i top water fished i caught some you know african pompano i caught a uh, mai you know i was catching whatever and i just i couldn't do it yeah i couldn't do the electric reel thing but i mean 900 feet's a long ways down yeah it was so bad that it didn't matter what you brought up you had to keep it yeah because the air bladders would come out of their mouths or eyes would pop out of their heads from the pressure changes (laughs) so but we caught a lot of fish yeah yeah that's awesome caught a lot of fish good memories they were there's a boat run by the russian mafia it was fantastic (laughs) (laughs) guy's name was yuri (laughs) or was it I don't know, man, but he was uh, he was very Russian, <laughs> as were everybody else in that marina. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a good time. Good time. But uh, so um, we were talking a little bit about your charity work, and you said you're kind of looking now, now yeah. that you're kind of settled in here. But what yeah. you've done some in the past with who? Yeah, so Ronald McDonald House was one we always partnered with at Southwest, and um, so I've I've been involved in uh, Milwaukee and Vegas and L.A. and then even in Atlanta for uh, the Ronald McDonald House charity and uh, just a great organization. What do they do? And um, so they basically take care of families with uh, kids that have um, major health issues and different type of uh, things. So they provide the housing for them. They um, the organizations come in, we would cook meals for the families and stuff and just kind of take care of, uh, their cost of living, if you will, for that time, uh, while their kids are going through, whether it be cancer treatment or, or just different, you know, struggles in life. And so it's just a really good opportunity to take care of the the families while they're going through something we, you wouldn't wish on anyone. So, yeah. um, but yeah, here locally, we've, um, tried to help with quite a few different organizations and, um, my wife's very involved in the community, so I've helped with quite a few things that she's been involved in, and um, still, you know, anything that comes up, we try to jump on and help out where we can. So, so your wife has recently got involved in politics. <laughs> yep. How's that working out for you? Um, it, it's been fine so far. So she was sworn in January eighth, and uh, for city council here in uh, Dallas, and um, so yeah, everything's been good so far. She's attended quite a few events and uh, is involved in several clubs and different uh, community organizations. And um, she was born and raised in Dallas and just uh, really enjoys the the city and wants to, you know, keep it a small town feel and enjoy uh, the beauties that it brings. And you're just along for the ride. 
Well, when we talked about where we wanted to live, we we both chose Dallas, and uh, for me, it was a, a mixture between the small town I was from, and uh, it's close enough to the Brave Stadium in Smyrna or sure. Marietta, and it's uh, it, you know close enough to go to the places you want to enjoy a night out and that kind of stuff, but then be able to come back and and relax and enjoy a food truck Friday or something small yeah. and low key on the weekends. You get that kind of so, hometown sort of feel. Correct. That yeah, it's still got a small maybe. town feel, but yeah. still comes with a little bit of the amenities of a larger city. Yeah. Well, you've yet to meet his wife. He's so far out kicked his coverage. He won't even argue with you. No, no. I mean, by a mile. <laughs> so he's got game. Great. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I was lucky there. So, um, yeah. So uh, anything else you want to kind of touch on? I mean, we, we've covered a lot of stuff here in the last three hours of getting this thing into an hour. <laughs> <laughs> the last hour of which was recorded. Yeah. 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 No, it's, um, you know, pleasure you guys having me i appreciate it and um great opportunity to just come come and talk with you guys and, you got any uh, other whiskey over there no just the two bottles so uh, you want to refill nah uh, actually you know what yeah i do so i'm assuming you want the lava yeah nah, that's a, yeah <laughs> i'll take i'll take the coffee the coffee grain thank you very much yeah absolutely no um you know with just my aviation background and stuff i've i've loved to travel i appreciate you talking through you know just kind of some of the benefits of um, I, I guess the, the many blessings they brought along with, uh, opportunities over the years. And obviously it wasn't, wasn't easy work working with the public in some of those cities and, and times, but, um, you know, ultimately it, it was a good career and my current one, I love the construction side of the house and, uh, love seeing a finished product, you know, taking an, an airport, it's almost like a rehab of a, a, residential property. You know, you see what it used to be and what it is today and, um, even go back to my time at LAX, like you guys talked about, not, not, uh, the best of airports in certain areas, but they definitely have cleaned up a lot and are, are still working on trying to make it yeah. a more user friendly for the customer, uh, airport. That's a big airport too. It is. It's massive. And <clears throat> I'll tell you a funny story about, uh, my first day there, everybody warned me. I just left Las Vegas and, um, moved out there to help and, and kind of consolidate a lot of things going on. And, um, I got everything set up in my office and just sat down and all of a sudden my whole desk starts shaking and all anyone had talked about was earthquakes and why are you going to LA? And, um, so I come running out of my office to everybody in there and I was like, Hey, earthquake, everybody exit. <laughs> so they follow me out the door for us to see the jackhammer where they were working just outside my office. <laughs> so I evacuated an office of 30 something people, uh, only to be laughed at on day one as the guy running from the earthquake. So we, uh, Construction uh, is is something I've been tied to since that's 2015. So it's been a while of uh, when, when's a good time to do it and when not in an airport. <laughs> you didn't get a nice uh, nickname for that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, quite a few. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit different city than where yeah, you came from. Right. I was like, yeah, yeah, just a little bit. So when my oh, office shit. shakes, I run. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I'd have done it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh shit. All right. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, glad you, uh, worked your way through our technical difficulties. Yeah. Thanks for hanging in there. Um, no worries. If, uh, if any of the listeners have any suggestions, uh, guests, uh, questions, whatever, um, you can email us at whiskey after work podcast at gmail.com and we'll get back to you on that. 
uh, stay tuned. We will be doing some more local events. We're going to do some tastings. Uh, I was trying to get one set up for February. Don't think it's going to work. We're going to do start. So we'll start in March and then we'll do them every other month after that. They will be held at the venue on Maine and uh, Kennesaw. There's never a cost associated with them. We usually have uh, food and we'll either do BYOBs or, uh, some of them will be sponsored by distilleries, and um, so they'll be bringing in new whiskeys to try and things like that. It's fun. Um, and we'll be doing some more uh, drawings uh, as we move along, too. I think I saw somebody a bottle of Blanton's, so we'll figure out a new drawing for that. And, uh, again, if you got ideas for us, uh, just let us know. Whiskeyafterworkpodcast at gmail.com. And... Um, Look forward to our next episode, and who knows what's coming. I know that we've got two episodes coming up in the near future that are going to be real interesting. They're going to be aviation-related also. And uh, I like this theme we've been on. This is our yeah. second guest in a row that's been uh, related to the aviation industry. So Yeah, so it's, yeah. oh, that's right, because the guy from uh, Koneka Brands was... Mm-hmm. was uh, he started his career. Started with his career at Delta. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So, well, aviation's a big part of around here. And yeah. I mean, it's a lot of my friends are in that business. And I've got a daughter that's in that business. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, aviation means travel. And I like right. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> right. So. exactly right. Well, cool. Until next time, guys. Cheers. And Cheers. Uh, thanks again, Patrick. Cheers. Absolutely. Thanks, uh, guys. See you next episode.